Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hey there, leaders of B2B. Excited to be back here with another episode. Today, really excited to have an amazing guest here on the show with you. David, uh, welcome to the show. And for everyone out there who doesn't know who you are, what your business is, can you give us the quick introduction of uh, yeah, wh- who, who is David and what is Modestack? Hey, Jake, uh, thank you for having me. Um, so I am David Jitendranath. I go by David J. I am the founder of Modestack, and uh, we build digital programs that drive outcomes for uh, growth-minded companies. What that means is most companies struggle to find ROI on their big digital and tech spends. You know, we align business strategy with technology uh, so you can accomplish those strategic and tactical goals. Um, So that's really what we do. That's what my company does. And we've been in business for seven years. Um, I have a, a software development technology background uh, for over 18 plus years, uh, working for corporates, multinationals, and and startups as well. I've played the role of a CTO for a couple of startups, and I'm technical advisory for some startups as well. So that's my background and um, about my company as well. Awesome. That's exciting. And And so... Um, I'm curious, you know, with a lot of the the kind of consulting and software work that you're doing with companies, like there is this kind of uh, ever-growing challenge around, you know, just like, I guess the role of technology in businesses. And um, and it's not just, you know, startups and tech companies where it's obvious these days, but it's every company now has technology in some capacity as part of their roadmap. And um, I'm curious maybe how, when you go into a company, how are you thinking about technology, building out that roadmap, and how to make sure that actually you know drives ROI and isn't just a cost for a company. Yeah, and uh, you know, let's define technology because that's an umbrella word. Uh, that's a great question, by the way. The role of technology. So, uh, technology. By that, I mean I don't mean Office three sixty five. You know, May email Zoom. You know, some people call Zoom a digital transformation. So that's not what we mean here, right? Um, so what we're talking about is really the emerging tech and perhaps that tech maturing tech that has been in the industry for for a while and it's proven, right? Um, so rightfully said, when you say every business is using some sort of technology to drive their business, um, what I say is you have to look at where you're utilizing their technolo- your technology the most, right? So usually it could be in terms of your employee experience, customer experience, 
Um, and then it could also be in terms of your core operations. Uh, perhaps your board and executives need some business intelligence on your business, you know, with data points and things like that, right? Um, so a lot of times what we do is look at the role of technology, we do an assessment in terms of like where they are in, in the technology roadmap, what are they currently utilizing, and what could they benefit from to adopt, you know, certain newer and emerging tech. Um, so really, that's, that's where it all begins for every company, I would say. I mean, whether it's us or, you know, you could do this ex- exercise internally, internally by yourself. So, I would say that, yes, you're going to be left behind or die a very slow death if you don't adopt technology, you know, and then kind of COVID proved that point for a lot of businesses. Um, You know, if you're if you're saying our business is only, you know, we do sales and golf courses and things like that, you know. Yes. I mean, COVID just proved you wrong. So every business is a technology business. That's what I would say. And I would say, you know, look at those three points that I mentioned, uh, you know, customer experience, core operations and business intelligence and see where you can play a role. That makes sense. And it's um, I think you're right that COVID has been a very interesting accelerator of just companies having to embrace technology. Um, and it's, it's interesting seeing um, these articles or I've, I've lived and listened to podcast interviews with some business owners where they're like, oh, and it's just like since COVID hit, it's like we're doing it's like, like how do we communicate as a team? And like these Zoom calls are horrible. And, you know, I, I, I guess I come from this tech world where I've got a remote team and it's like we've just communicated with Zoom calls for so long. But I think um, for a lot of companies, they're actually struggling with this, right. where this is very foreign. This is very different. They're used to project management on whiteboards in the office and to move to suddenly like how do you you know, run your operations when your team's all remote and not sitting next to each other becomes um, a challenge where you in a lot of ways have to rely on technology in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious, um, you know, as you let's kind of like dive into maybe one of those when you look at a company. Um, where I think a lot of the optimizations, I think, or the biggest leverage points often can very quickly be also is in that operations side of things. Um, for my own companies, that's where I would say I use technology the most. Um, and it just, it's amazing. I've replaced, you know, $60,000 a year project managers with a $3,000 a year piece of software. And it's just like, okay, there's an ROI. <laughs> uh, and and so how, how do you think about that when you're looking at a company's operations um, yeah. and, and going into that? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, right there, that's a great example, right? I mean, you're talking about cost reduction to start with, but that's not the end game, right? So, you know, you definitely in terms of operations, that's a COO challenge where, you know, you want to optimize, you know, number one, efficiency and productivity. And then you kind of, can we do more with less or what with what we have as we acquire new customers, right? So that's the, op, you know, that's the cost reduction part. And then, you know, the third stage is sort of like, okay, now we are mature. We've got processes. We've got a lot of alignment in place. Are there new revenue streams that we can kind of utilize the same sort of resources that we have within the company to create those new 
revenue streams, you know, business models per, perhaps, right? That's really when you're going into sort of the, like the digital transformation world. Um, so I, I think it all starts with identifying, you know, I always say, you know, s- small and mid-sized businesses go through, you know, three different stages, right? So success, you know, when when you talk about success, you sort of have SaaS products within your company, point solutions, perhaps some custom software, you know, hopefully you're not dealing with Excel sheets and MS Access type uh, CRM, uh, you're moved on to some SaaS products, you know, that you've internally use. And then that as you grow, right, from success to growth, then you realize they don't, you know, integrate and play nicely with each other. Like that's when you're wanting to create some sort of a digital roadmap at that point to say, okay, how do we leverage emerging tech, existing tech, and create those, um, you know, in terms of operations, perhaps cost reduction, as well as, you know, how do we get those efficiencies in place, right? Because a lot of times, um, you know, what we call is SaaS sometimes creates uh, data silos and department silos as you grow. And how do we, you know, you talked a little bit about culture. So how do we navigate that space? And technology is a huge enabler there. Um, And then the final stage is sort of like the maturity when you, you know, accomplish maturity, you sort of like borderline get into the world of legacy systems. You know, companies that have been in existence for 20 years, they may have already built, a. you know, 20 years ago, they started with a digital roadmap. And now they've got like a software that's legacy and using older technologies. Programmers are hard to find uh, to support your technology. Um, so that's when you kind of do a little bit of uh, engineering management you know, newer DevOps, AI, those type of, you know, how do we adopt those technologies into the existing ecosystem? So that's kind of like an overlay of like, determine where you are with your business, like, you know, success, growth, maturity, and then deploy the right, you know, technology initiatives based on where you are. Uh, And, you know, each of those, I I kind of broadly divided them, but there are also subclassifications within each of those uh, three stages as well. Yeah. And so if you're in in one of these stages or you kind of look at where you're at, I I think one of the big challenges that a lot of companies face is how do you build a roadmap when there's so many things they could fix? It could be that ops, could be customer success, it could be any of these. And so it's like, how do you yeah, pick and choose which one of those to focus and prioritize and, and build your plan of action and allocate your budget and resources. How, how do you how do you recommend companies look at that? Yeah. And this is where, you know, you use the word roadmap. Let's understand that a little bit. Right. So if you don't have a roadmap, what happens is companies start performing what I call random acts of digital. Right. So you kind of hear about like your friend or your you know, co, you know, peer CEO using some software like, oh, you should use this. And then you kind of come in and say, okay, we need to have Salesforce for our CRM. Every, you know, my, my friend told me so, right? So that's the worst kind of, you know, digital adoption and digital transformation where you're just kind of hearing some buzzwords and trying to get that implemented within your organization. What I say is, you know, that's where digital road mapping comes into the into the picture to avoid those type of 
you know, I, I, you know, if you do go down that path, you start acquire accruing what I call technical debt. Um, so because you will kind of invest in something, and actually that's creating debt for you down the line. So what I what I claim is, you know, when you approach it with some sort of a roadmap, right? That's almost like creating a plan for a year or a year and 18 months at least to number one, look at the existing landscape of your technology investments, uh, what you have done in the past, you know, do that assessment. And then the second step is also looking at your competitors, look to the left and the right, you know, how are you acquiring customers? What's your strategic partners? What, what technologies do they use? How can you play nice with them? Right. And then create a roadmap for the 18 months based on the outcomes you want to accomplish. It's not, you know, something like, okay, CRM for three months, and then customer engagement tool or CDP tool for platform for three months. It's not that, but it's more what outcomes are you strategically trying to accomplish and line up those technology initiatives to those strategic initiatives. So that what happens if you do if you perform a digital road mapping exercise like that, you end up creating a very cohesive, um, you know, organization wide. And it leads to a lot of benefits in terms of better adoption, the culture change you may want to drive. I mean, so many benefits, companies that have done this right. Um, and obviously, there are these Fortune you know, 100 companies that are being serviced by companies like Deloitte. Deloitte has does some amazing work in this area in, in those uh, Fortune 100 companies. But it's not necessarily only reserved for those Fortune 100 companies. There are smaller companies that can service with that mindset uh, to small and mid cap as well. So uh, that's why I would say that's what is digital road mapping. And that's why it is very important to approach the digital roadmap with a cohesive technology rollout standpoint. I love that, and I I love the 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 phrase digital acts of kind or di, di, random acts random of digital. acts of digital. <laughs> it, it's so true because um, I think the other thing that's just pervasive in this industry is you have you know these very well paid sales teams behind all of these SaaS products who will tell you why you absolutely need Salesforce or you absolutely need Microsoft Dynamics or you absolutely need this HubSpot or whatever this next tool is. And um, there's so much marketing and sales that goes into this that I think people get all hyped up on it. But really, um, I love your approach where you're saying it's about where am I at? Like, what are the outcomes I want? And then what is the technology that's going to help me get to those outcomes? And that sounds like that. that's kind of what you're saying is to step away Absolutely. from the tools and think about yeah. what you're actually trying to achieve yeah. first. Don't think about buying tools and kind of like, OK, I've heard about this tool. This is the latest and the greatest. I mean, nothing wrong with Salesforce. I do advocate for Salesforce implementations. But, you know, before that, before you do that, uh, do an assessment on what you're trying to accomplish with Salesforce. I mean, if you want to call it sales enablement, if that's your theme, how is Salesforce going to be deployed to enable your sales team, right? So that's what is important. And you know, Salesforce has got great integrations. There's a lot of Salesforce apps that you can plugins that you can deploy. Um, so a lot of times, you know, companies like us can help you um, sort of like create that roadmap uh, so you are getting the max value for your buck. 
Yes, I love that. And I think one of the interesting things um, that I've, I've heard you talk on as well is just how this technology can really help you achieve scale in your business. Like it, it, in terms of there's so many ways where without these tools or without technology or this innovation, like you can kind of be stifled in growth or really limited. But it's really amazing, I think, what technology can do today to add a whole level of scale of something that you could never do without it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the word scale, which is slightly different from growth, right? Most, uh, you know, g- most companies understand that, but, uh, you know, let's kind of, for the sake of definition, define that, right? So when I talk about growth, growth is increasing revenue, right? You, you've already, pro- you're profitable, you're, you're kicking A, now you want to increase revenue with, you know, doing more by, you know, sales enablement, you know, customer engagement, whatever themes you may have within your business, right? What also ends up happening is you end up, you want, you have to increase your resources to deliver the services or the products as you, you know, as you grow. So that's what I mean by growth, right? So growth is increasing revenue with increase in resources and resource costs. Uh, resources could be anything from people, tools you buy, machinery, or, you know, any kind of investments you make in terms of acquiring those resources, right? Because so you have this um, sort of like a revenue increase and then, you know, your cost also increase increases and then, you know, how profitable are you uh, becomes the next question. Now, scale on the other fact, on, on the other hand, is sort of like the, the multiplier, the multiplication factor, right? So how do you accomplish that same revenue growth without accruing that cost to deliver those services or products, right? So doing more with less. So that's where technology plays a a huge role um, in being able to do, you know, kind of, and also, you know, creating new business streams. That's, you know, that's also another, like, let's take the example of Amazon. I mean, started off as a book company. You had competitors like Barnes & Noble, Borders, and things like that. Now, Amazon's got AWS. It's got e phenomenal e-commerce platforms because they put technology at the forefront. They were able to accomplish that scale factor versus, on the other hand, Borders went out of business because they didn't put the the scale factor in play. They just kind of wanted to open more stores, open more locations. And that was the kind of business model that they, you know, without adopting technology, right? So that's that's where I think we need to differentiate between growth and scale and where uh, technology plays a role in scale. I love that. And it's kind of almost like um, technology leads to an innovation in a sense where it's possible to really just change your industry in drastic ways. It, I think there's, and, you know, I think a lot of people, they they think, oh, this has been done, like all the techs happened and now, but there's still so many industries or there's so many innovations that are, are waiting to be happened. And I think, you know, especially in these like not sexy industries, like manufacturing or stuff like that, there, there's so much, I, I know of just so many different industries where there's these people that are starting to try to do these things that may have been cutting edge in other industries, but you know, there's still so much opportunity there to innovate. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what I would actually claim is, you know, earlier, probably 20 years ago or, you know, 15 years ago, innovation was reserved to the Fortune 100, right? Uh, It's no longer the case. It's been democratized with the cloud engineering, cloud infrastructure. What has happened is innovation is sort of like unleashed 
um, to small and mid-sized businesses. So they are actually able to move faster and disrupt and create, you know, like adopt newer technology, leverage newer technology to, you know, gain quicker profitability and, you know, scale, scale businesses like I was talking about earlier. So there are so many benefits that innovation um, in small and mid-sized business, it, it's really opened the doors for that. I, I would say cloud has been a huge factor there. Um, so what I would say is don't, you know, when when you hear words like innovation and emerging tech, you know, a lot of business owners that I talk to, oh, that's reserved for Amazon, that's reserved for the Walmarts of the world. No, not really. I mean, actually, that's why we have a great ecosystem of startups today. Uh, that's precisely because they're able to innovate and disrupt uh, bigger companies. Yeah, and so how do you see smaller companies innovating today? Like, what does it look like to kind of actually... Um, yeah. build those kind of practices or to try to, you know, innovate or make those kind yeah. of growth or changes in your industry? Yeah. So I, you know, when I talk about innovation, I'm talking about technology innovation here, right? So I'm not talking about, you know, perhaps you may have a physical product that you're selling where, you know, perhaps there's a way to, you know, innovate, like, you know, we could go into the world of IoT, perhaps certain sensors that you can deploy in the, in the physical products that you sell. But what I'm talking about is how, technology in the background can innovate, right? So now, you know, in terms of small and mid-sized businesses, where do they start, right? So we remember we talked about the success, growth, and the maturity. So when you are actually in the growth stage and you're sort of growth-minded, right, it's a mindset. Like if you're just, you know, like let's say you're a spare parts provider for automobiles, you just want more locations, you just want more customers, that's not growth mindset. Growth mindset is like, how do you scale my business? Like, how do I, you know, like locations is good. Like, I mean, maybe operate as a franchise or, you know, changing business models. So that's where innovation comes in, right? So um, what I'm, where I say technology plays a role in innovation is, you know, in two areas. One is what I call sustainable innovation. So sustainable innovation is, utilizing your existing technology, you know, hopefully you're already digitalized and, you know, you've got all these different SaaS products or your custom software or, you know, whatever technology stack that you have within your company that's playing nice and you continue to sustain that, you know, enable your employees and enable your customers better experience, better operations, if, you know, kind of that's what I call by... That, that's what I call sustainable innovation, where you are Im constantly improving and upping your game on technology, adopting new technology to service better. Now, there's the other part, which is the disruptive innovation, right? So disruptive innovation is also, I, I would say that as you grow, that's a mindset that you also need to develop within your organization. And a lot of times that's where when you have internal employees and internal developers, they're not looking at um, your tech stack that way. They're mostly looking at like, how can I, you know, create more features? How can I, you know, like better these services, which is good. That's sustainable. 
But on the disruption side, you need a fresh pair of eyes to come in and say, okay, what new business models can you support with the existing technology and service delivery that you have? What uh, what are other areas, what are other strategic partners that you can acquire and offer that as a service to your customers? So that's really the the role of disruptive disruptive technology. And a lot of times, you know, AI is a, is a great example, right? So when we talk about sales enablement, you start with Salesforce or some sort of a CRM. Now people are building, you know, companies are building data cloud infrastructure within companies, right? It's almost like companies are wanting to operate like Facebook, where they are able to mine data, do data science on their customers, and be where the you know where their prospects and leads and determine what stage they are in and be in front of them at the right right you know right place at the right time right so that's you know that's an example of disruption you know and disruptive technology so i would classify you know sustainable versus disruption you know, knowing what you want to do. And you can do both, actually. I would say, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that through POCs, proof of concepts, and proof of values. There, there are so many different things. But yeah, that hopefully that kind of is a long answer to you, to your short question. But, you know, <laughs> I get passionate about innovation, so. <laughs> I get it. Um, and I'm curious, you know, from your guys' side, um, as, like a, as a tech firm, who are the kind of people that you're typically working with inside of organizations for these kind of projects? You know, are you leading... Right. With a CEO, or are you going from the technical team or a business leader? Yeah. Who, who are the main people that you're finding are driving these changes within organizations? Yeah, so uh, you know, typically C- CXOs, but I would say majority CIOs for sure. Um, what happens is in in especially in small and mid sized companies, they don't have the luxury to have a CIO and a CTO. They have two different. Um, you know they don't. They have two different objectives, obviously, right? Um, so what what ends up happening is the CIO office is responsible for technology, and then the CEOs and the COOs are looking at them to say, okay, not only do I have a tech budget for this year, but is there anything that you know, for that 2 million or 3 million that I spend on on tech, what's the ROI, right? So sort of like the C, the CIOs of organizations have, you know, kind of what I say, a, a sword on top of their head ready to, you know, to drop on their head, right? Because they like, okay, you spent 3 million, I, we really didn't do anything. And that's what happens when, you know, like times like COVID, if they've not created that technology infrastructure, they end up like, okay, you obviously you kept us safe, secure in terms of cybersecurity, you know, email communication, Zoom, and all of that. But beyond that, I don't see the value of having a CIO, right? So that's where we come in, sort of like playing a little bit of the CTO role as a team. And it's not like a one person doing a fractional CTO role. You know, it, it, I'm sorry, there are some companies that try to do that, but that's that's where you end up not having a cohesive architecture, a cohesive enterprise-wide solution. But that's where we are able to come in and give that fresh pair of eyes to really determine what kind of outcomes can we drive on those technology spends. Um, so that's so I would say CIOs are the primary folks that we work with, you know, VPs and about uh, in on the more on the technology side who are taking care of tech infrastructure. Nice. That is super interesting. And it makes a ton of sense there on the 
Um, you know, I've, I've seen all sorts of companies that are just like, you know, CIO is like, you're that job. You're really the chief security officer. You're the chief technology officer. You're the chief, like fix my computer officer. Like, you know, you get, you're responsible for all of these different things. Um, and it makes a ton of sense there that from your guys' side of like the technology moving things forward, it's often hard, I think, for a lot of CEOs to do that whenever, like, especially among COVID where it's just like, okay, well, we have to move everybody to remote work. Like we have all these changes, like all these things. It's like, I can't even think about innovating right now yet. It's the prime time to innovate. So, right. No, no doubt about that. Right. So, I mean, they already have so many things on their plate. I mean, it's a very thankless job sometimes. Of course, you know, when they fix their computers, like, oh yeah, thank you for doing that. But, you know, you don't realize what all went behind that. And the security is a huge thing right now because people are clicking on a lot of links and, you know, email in emails and things like that. So, Obviously, secure, you know, cybersecurity is gaining a lot of uh, popularity, rightfully so. Uh, and they have those agendas that they need to drive. And on top of that, how do you drive the innovation and the and the tech leveraging initiatives? And that's where I think CIOs struggle uh, to create those outcomes and kind of drive those ROI type of uh, conversations. Nice. This has been super fascinating, David. Um as we wrap up here, I always like to kind of ask this uh, one final question, which just I, I always just love hearing people's response. But if you could go back five to 10 years uh, to your younger self and your, your career and everything, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, I mean, I've been in business for seven years. So I'll, I'll say this about uh, my own business. I, I think when I started tech, you know, we always talk about niche. That's that's kind of a given for any business menu. So that, I, I think I tried to do that. But what I didn't, perhaps what I was offering was, I mean, I didn't take my own advice is what I'm saying here. So in a way, like I didn't, you know, how do I disrupt this industry of tech in terms of like, instead of me providing developers and, you know, software engineers and architects, you know, what are the things that I can do that really affect revenue, growth, uh, scalability, right? So n- n- that's something that I wish I'd done sooner. And I kind of would say that to even to other companies too, like the earlier you get in the game of thinking about innovation, you leveraging emerging tech, you're going to be, le- like I said, you are go- you're, you're going to not have a slow death. I mean, every business gets disrupted uh, eventually, at the same time, you you are going to be you're going to have a longer, longer, you know, time to play the the bigger things that you are playing in your business. So I, that's what I didn't do. I wish I had gone back and kind of taken my own advice of creating those processes, the digital roadmaps, and things like that that I want to implement within my own organization. Right. So I would say that's. That would be my advice uh, to my younger self. Awesome. Well, that's great, great advice there. And, uh, and awesome. And so, David, if anyone wants to go find out more about you and Modestack Online, what is the best place to, to reach out to you? Yeah. So uh, the best place would be two places. One is themodestack.com, which is our company website. I also would say go to YouTube and search for Modestack. And we've got a great channel with a lot of content, with interviews, with CIOs and other folks 
you hear more about these type of stories, successes and challenges. You know, you can learn a lot from it. I also am a huge advocate for newer technologies. I kind of break it down on where they contribute, where they benefit um, small and mid-sized businesses. So more in terms of outcomes they drive and more in terms of the ROI that they can provide like AI and all those other data science practices. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, David. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Jake. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.